What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry. Uh, Derek, Kentucky got a win today. I know you and I were talking that we were optimistic thinking that Kentucky was actually going to perform pretty well today. We, we weren't for sure on a win. I think I told you that Kentucky had win by three. Uh, it never even got that close. It was actually total domination it's easily the best performance Kentucky's had this season, and it's the first time that they've beaten a top 25 opponent all season, which is so weird to say about a Kentucky basketball team. Yeah, um, yeah I told you yesterday I thought that they would play well. I didn't predict the win. I, you know, I, But, you know, I, just what this team had been playing, you felt like they were, you know, and then Tennessee's inconsistencies this season, you felt like there was a chance that this result could happen, a Kentucky win, that is. not a. I would have not have predicted a 15-point win, which is what we saw. Um, and it's really interesting to look at this game because Kentucky could not miss in the first half. Uh, shot, what was their percentage in the first half? It was very good. I think it was near 60%, wasn't it? It was. It was, it was right at 60. And then they finished the game 40%, though. So they were like 3 of 22 at one point, I think, in the second half. <laughs> Yet they had extended their lead. So that goes to say, you know, Tennessee had a rough day too, but, you know, give a lot of credit to Kentucky's defense that uh, that some of that growth that Cal was talking about, I think, where things offensively weren't really going their way. They, you know, they couldn't throw it into the ocean in the second half yet. They didn't let that affect their defense. They kept clamping down, rebounded the ball, uh, I thought, tremendously today. The total rebound, yeah, 43 to 31, Kentucky uh, and, and led Tennessee in rebounds. Uh, a great performance that a lot of guys played well in, particularly in the first half to build that lead, and then um, a good job for this team that has, what, lost, I think, nine games this year that when they blew a lead in the second yeah. half. I, so. And I didn't know that until today when they put – I knew that they – I knew that it was a high number, but I don't mm-hmm. think it ever really stood out to me that they had nine leads or they led in nine of the 13 losses in the second half. Like – you yeah, know, and you and you texted me earlier before we started recording. Like we're we've been sitting here watching college basketball this evening, and you know there are some teams out there that aren't very good. And I don't think Kentucky's as bad as, and I said this earlier this week. They're not as bad as their record shows, Derek. Like it took, I think it honestly took a lot of bad luck for them to lose as many games as they did in I'm situations that seeing, they could have uh, won games. I'm just not seeing. I just found Ken Paul, and they jumped up 14 spots today. That's <laughs> They're up to 48 now. And, 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 you know, it has to be one of those things that if you're the NCAA committee and you're sitting there looking at it and you see what Kentucky did today, clearly, Derek, that I, and obviously your resume is what it is, but, I mean, Kentucky's one of the – Kentucky's an NCAA tournament team. Like, if, if I think they're that they're, – they're good enough to be one, but their resume doesn't reflect it, which is the unfortunate thing. Uh, 
you texted me last night and we were talking, and this is before what happened today, and you we were talking that this is probably what a 19 win regular season team, and you mentioned it, it it wouldn't be in a situation to where they're one of the worst teams the program's ever had, no. uh, but they would certainly be probably a tournament team. They'd be on the right side of the bubble in a, in a normal be. year. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, the way they played today, you might think they might be a little bit better than a 19 and 12 type team. But um, yeah, it is what it is at this point. Um, they're still gonna have to win the SEC tournament, obviously, to get in. I just don't. I mean, unless they add enough games where they can. No, I just don't. See, I mean, I still don't see any way. Do you? I just, I just think that's well, still the only path. What do you? There. What do you do? So they're eight and thirteen now. Uh, Texas A&M game. If if you're listen to this and you don't know it has been postponed uk did just confirm that now cal said it uh after the game today i think it's on espn radio if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. uh where, where he said that but so they've got three games on the schedule that we know of for sure they play florida next week at rupp arena and then they play ole miss and there's one more who's the other game ole miss florida who's um that? Ole Miss, Florida, and uh... <laughs> why am I why am I drawing a blank here on this? Because they obviously play a midweek game before they play. Or Ole, is Ole, no, Ole no, A and M was the only other game. So there were three games left. So there's two mm-hmm. games left. Uh, I think they're Assuming going to make up. Ma- yeah, I think they'll make up the A and M game, and I honestly think they'll make up the South Carolina game that final week where there's some room before going into the SEC tournament. And there, here's why: it's now going to play a factor in where they're seated in the SEC tournament. I mean, they're climbing now. They put themselves in a position, Derek, to where I'm starting to see a path to get to the five seed at least if they can win out and have some yeah. help along the way. How, how much of a – is there any path you see to them getting that four seed or is it too much going to happen? I was looking at it earlier. I think what, – what I was getting at, though, is if they play all four SEC games, you now – think that they can win all four of them. A&M, oh, yeah. South Carolina, I mean, Florida, I mean, they can win all those games. I think they'll win out. Yeah, I yeah. think they'll win out. That gets them to 12 and 13. Well, then let's say that they make up two games. Let's say that they schedule two mid-majors. Let's say they schedule Detroit and someone else. What do you, what do, you do if they win two games in the SEC tournament, losing the finals, and then you're looking up and they're 16 and 14? What's the committee do then? <laughs> Oh, Mitch Barnhart's on the committee, right? He can pull some strings for him. I mean, it's an above 500 <laughs> team who then would have a win at Tennessee, a win at Florida. They beat LSU. They're probably they beat a, they beat Florida again in that stretch. Do they get another win against Arkansas or somebody in the SEC tournament? Alabama, somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, it obviously in a year like this, I think you could look at it and possibly. Maybe, but we're so far we're, – we're such a long ways away from that. But I'm starting to uh, kind of fall victim of that scenario in my mind, and I'm, I'm starting to think about it, and I can't believe that I'm actually thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely sticking on the uh, on, only – I think the only thing they really need to be focused on right now is still winning that SEC tournament. But obviously all these games are so important and helping yourself when you do get to Nashville to be in a spot. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, A&M – no matter how awful this Kentucky basketball season has been for most of the time, I don't see any way in hell A&M comes to up arena after not playing for a month uh, and then beating Kentucky. I just don't see that at all, especially because a and not a very good team anyway. Um, Florida at home, I mean, I wouldn't just absolutely chalk it down as a W uh, just because Florida, I mean, is a solid team. I know Kentucky beat them 
very easily in Gainesville. But at the same time, I mean, it's you gotta. I don't, I don't, I don't think Florida is that bad or Kentucky is that good where you just chalk it up as an easy W. But certainly a game that I think they will win. And then at Ole Miss, Ole Miss just took a loss tonight to Mississippi State at home. They did not look very good doing that. I, I got to think Kentucky's more talented and can win that game. So here's my thing, Sean, and I did not want to spend this episode talking much about next year just because we've done that so much here lately. <laughs> but even like, I think they they can win enough games here at the end. I mean, you could be looking at a six, seven game winning streak going into the SEC tournament. Yeah, if they if they do add some games. And then even like even if you don't win the SEC tournament, like I think they've done enough here at the end of the year. And I, after the Missouri game, I got on here whenever we recorded or texted you or tweeted it actually, and people got very confused by it. Like I was at that point at the Missouri game where I was like, it doesn't even matter at this point who comes back. Like I'm not going to give them that benefit of the doubt next year that they're going to be very very good. Whereas now I say, you close the season out strong, you get some of these guys who are going to be on the team next year who continue to develop, maybe you get a surprise returnee. Like, okay, I'm at that point now. So to me, that's where the narrative can change. Yeah. Here at the end of the year, even if you don't win the SEC tournament, this season will not have to be viewed as the total disaster that probably for most of this year that we did view it as. Yeah, and there and there's still a hole there in the roster when we talk about next year that – but. There's, a, I mean, there's a chance that it gets filled, Derek. We don't know yet. Like, yeah, we, we might not know that until May. If it, when it comes to, they, obviously, we know, we've talked about that they need a scoring two guard. Uh, but now that you kind of start to feel a little bit more confident that Davion Mintz playing another season at Kentucky is, is a real possibility, that changes the way you think about things. When you look at what Keon Brooks is doing, I mean, two solid games across the board this week for him that he. He done a number of things well. Had a double double today. I think ten points, fourteen rebounds. Yep. Uh, he he looks explosive. You and I talked about this yesterday. That I don't ever remember last year at any point thinking that he was as explosive as what we're seeing now. And I'm starting to think of third year Keon Brooks absolutely budding into an absolute star. Like that's that's what I think he has potential to be. I would. And he didn't have a great game today. He's actually one of the few guys who didn't, I would say, didn't play that well. But BJ Boston, if he, I'd just love to see what he would look like as a as a sophomore. Because to me, the only guy that I look at and say is an NBA player next year is Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, I think BJ good. would be back and forth between the G League um, if he could stick in the NBA at all. I mean, I think he's just got the thing with BJ right now, physically weak, and he's really not a. In terms of comparing him to other NBA players, he's not he's not like a great athlete compared to some of those other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think some adding some weight would do him a lot of good. And I would be just convinced that he would shoot the ball much, much better next season. Um, for whatever reason, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys at UK who turned out to be very good shooters who just didn't really produce that well in their first year. I mean, even a guy like Tyler Hero um, didn't shoot, you know, lights out. I think Jamal Murray is one of the few guys and, and Malik Monk too. Well, a little bit of Malik Monk. He had some rough games too, but I think he would be a guy that would really, really look great next year as a sophomore. Those are all things to dream on. And uh, again, like we talked about yesterday, I would put that percentage incredibly low. Um, but still I, I'm even getting to the point now though, where if the lineup is like Hickman, Mintz, Keon at the three, and then whether you want to play, some combination of, of Shibway and Collins or or Toppin or somebody at the, at the four or five or 
heck, I mean, you could even have a lineup where if you wanted to start kind of the same guys this year with, you know, Askew, Mintz, and Hickman. I could see that scenario. I, I would hope that they could get the roster to, and I've said this a few times, or at least they could bring Mintz or Askew off the bench. But that core, though, is, is going to be pretty good. I mean, Keon's, Keon's a big one for sure to get him back. And he, to me, I thought he kind of had a quiet double-double today. I didn't realize he had 14 rebounds until the game was over. Well, that's what I was getting at when I was just saying that both those games this week, like he didn't score a lot at Vanderbilt, but his assists and his rebounds and everything, and it, it, it was it was pretty clear early, especially in the second half, that he had to be on the floor for the bulk of it. Uh, and I I thought that that was uh, a really good adjustment there because they they played so well with Jackson and Keon on the floor together, even Toppin, like the lineup that we've kind of talked about a lot that we didn't like the three bigs, but. Uh, Toppin done some. Real, there, there were a couple of rebounds today that Toppin grabbed that were just you know big boy rebounds, just going up and just snatching one out of midair. Uh, but looking at the SEC standings, what's happened now? Tennessee's no longer in that top four. Florida's hard to believe. Yeah, Florida's moved in there, and now what you have is you have Kentucky at eight, and Mississippi, Mississippi and Kentucky tied seven and seven, so they're a game behind Missouri at seven and six. And they're essentially a, or a half game behind, and essentially a game behind Tennessee at eight and six to get to the five spot. And then they play Florida again. And it would be if you beat Florida, then you'll have the the tiebreaker since you beat them both times. Uh, yeah, I'm actually starting to see a path to a four seed if they win out, if they get some help. That that's hard to believe on Tennessee. I mean, watching them today, and that that's it's hard to find a team that is as hit or miss as they are. I know they had a guy out today, uh, Josiah Jordan James, but, man, they scored, what, 90-something points earlier this week against South Carolina, and then today they barely break 50. They had some buckets there late in the game to get to 55 yep. against Kentucky. Um, a lot of credit, though, to UK's defensive performance, especially there in the second half or the first half. Tennessee, I think it hit five of ten threes, but a lot of those were late in the shot clock. Kentucky had defended pretty well. Tennessee got some open looks, but anything inside that two-point uh, area, especially in the lane, was really clogged up. I thought Kentucky's yeah. length, they obviously did a tremendous job. I mean, the whole story, uh, well, the two stories, obviously, in the first match was Kentucky blew a big lead, but most notably, the two freshman guards just went off, and Keon Johnson and um, Jaden Springer. And then you look at today, Sean, Jaden Springer, two for 11, missed all four of his threes. I mean, one of his worst games of the season, and Kentucky – Tremendous job making other guys beat them. I mean, it really worked to perfection, I thought. Uh, held them to 32% for the game, 26% in the second half. And Tennessee went one for 12 in the second half from three. So a great defensive game, and it kind of showed that, you know, even though Kentucky was pretty much downright horrible offensively in the second half, uh, they were still able to get to the free throw line, and their defense was good enough to where – I mean, they that, that's what's incredible to me. They shot 20% in the second half, and – it never really got threatened at all. I mean, Tennessee yeah. didn't even cut it into single digits at all in the and, second half. And to me, the the biggest thing that's different, and this is where you can survive a scoring drought as long as you're not turning the ball over. Because there, there's a difference. How many of those meltdowns, like the meltdown at Rupp Arena, it, turnovers fueled it, right? When they played Tennessee yeah. a couple weeks ago. And it was live ball turnovers. It was turnovers that led to transition baskets for Tennessee. There's a difference, Derek, when it comes to having a scoring drought where you're missing shots and when you're having a scoring drought when you're throwing the ball over the gym and the other team's going the other direction. 
Yep. I think that's the biggest difference is today Kentucky just missed shots, but it didn't affect them defensively. And I thought Cal was spot on late in the or in the press conference today when he was talking about you can see it that all these guys have kind of bought into who they are. Like BJ Boston uh, didn't have the best game today, but at no point did he see did you see him with his head down? Like he was locked in defensively. Uh, so were the other guys. I think that's been the biggest difference the last few games is that they're they've all bought into to what they're wanting to do with the team. Uh, I texted you earlier about Devin Askew that honestly he's a guy that we've all been hard on. We've you know we've harped on the mistakes and uh, some of the decisions that he makes with the ball at times. But when you look at his assist to turnover ratio over the the last few weeks. It's uh, it's it's really good. I actually think he has the highest assist to turnover ratio on the entire roster, and he plays a ton of minutes. And he's getting better. And today, he made life hard on Tennessee. Yeah, I mean he was he was active defensively. He was he was fighting for position. Uh, wasn't getting bullied. And I mean, I, yeah, he he has look. He's not De'Aaron Fox. He's not these elite guards. He's not Shade Gilders Alexander. And I think that's kind of what's led to a lot of the criticism is because we're so used to seeing elite-level talent, guards hanging above the rim. That's not who he is. But he's figuring it out. He's getting better. And now you're starting to kind of see where, you know, next year this could be a kid that comes in here. The other thing that I like about him too, Derek, he seems to be the one guy all the time that is always getting guys in huddles and talking to people. And there's something to be said for that. He does have leadership qualities. Um, That's for sure. And he he hit a big shot today that Cal, I mean, Cal wrote my story on this tonight. Like, Cal was really throwing around the word daggers today. And his three was was, was a big one. I mean, uh, it made me feel like it was – actually, it didn't even really feel like it was slipping that much. But it was more like – it, it ended any hope that Tennessee might have had of, of pulling off a miracle comeback because it put the lead back to over 20 with, I think, like four minutes. Or, yeah, right at 20 with, like, four minutes left. How big is that, though, that – how big is it you think Cal is telling people that, you know, daggers daggers aren't just three-pointers or a bucket and clutch. It's, it's making a free throw. It's diving on the floor for a loose ball. It's getting a rebound. How big do you think it is that Cal is saying this, though, to all these guys? How many times do you think he's told him, hey, you, you made the dagger play today? Maybe it was a Keon Brooks rebound. Maybe it was Olivier Saar, two free throws. Do you think that's big when it comes to Cal talking about building the confidence of these guys that maybe they're all starting to see, hey, hey look, I'm making an impact even though I'm scoring three or four points a game. You know, I made the dagger play yeah. today. Because th- these are kids, Derek, we've, we've talked about it, that they want to know that they're doing well. They want to hear that positive, you know, reinforcement and stuff that they're that they're helping and making an impact uh i think that's i think that might be is that the tweak is it the dagger line because cal's been throwing it out there now but he definitely you knew the moment the ask you shot went in in a 15 16 point game whatever it was he was going to ride that as the dagger yeah i think one of the great things about cal as a coach and i know everybody has their opinions on him as an x's and o's guys but the psychology of team building and developing teams, like even this year in a, in a bad year for Kentucky, a historically bad year. I mean, the way they started was, was flat out awful. Even now though, Sean, still in February, you see this team getting better. 
and hit it in stride. And I think just the, the the mental side of that is so important. And I think that's where Cal is is really tremendous in getting guys to buy in, getting guys to believe, uh, getting their psyche ready for normally what would be a postseason run. So with this team, I think you do see it starting to come together a little bit. Um, and then just, just flat-out development. I mean, you're seeing guys, our guy Isaiah Jackson's taking uh, he's taking big steps, but he's also becoming much more consistent. Well, that was like the third straight game where he was very good, right? Double-digit yeah. scoring. Um, I don't think he actually got a rebound in the second half, but again, foul trouble hurt him a little bit there. He didn't play as much. And one of the guys we haven't really talked about that much is Mintz. I mean, hitting five threes, all five of his three-pointers. The first half. To set the tone in the first half. And again, he's another guy I don't think he didn't score think he even in the second scored. half. Yeah, he didn't no. score in the second half, but he set the tone. Um, knocked down some really big shots and, and gave Kentucky a lead that, you know, they could come out and, and be awful basically offensively in the second half and it still wouldn't matter uh, because of how good the defense was. But when you watch this team play, and, and I was telling you before we got on here, I mean, watching a lot of college basketball, like, you, you can still see, like, the, the potential. I mean, the guard play is not what we're used to at Kentucky, but other elements in terms of athleticism defensively it is still a team, but I'm telling you, when they get to Nashville, like people will not be excited to play Kentucky. I mean, even though it's been a down year, the way that they're starting to play now, I guess the one thing I would really take away from the day, and, and that's what I talked about a little bit earlier, just it does feel like they're building towards something now, even if the reward is not an instilly tournament bid and SEC tournament championship this year. For the guys who come back, the confidence that they can get still – from being down like they were this season and getting to a point today where they can go on the road and win by double digits pretty easily over a ranked team, um, I wouldn't take that lightly. I think that could really mean a lot for for those guys coming back um, next season. Yep, and I'm sitting here looking at season stats right now. Uh, Devin Askew, Derek, is uh, for the year he has 68 assists and 46 turnovers. I know that's a number at one point we were talking about that yeah, he, I think yeah. six or seven games in, he had more turnovers than assists. He's also second on the team, tied for second on the team in steals, and he's shooting 80% from the free throw line, doing a lot of things well. Uh, that's another area that the free throw line, I mean, Kentucky again today, I think it was 17 to 20 today, uh, off the hills of 24 or 25 at Vandy. So that's an area they're shooting, I think, 73% on the season. Uh, Pretty good. How, how about this? You know, we talked about this statistic, and it was very surprising when I told you this a month or so ago. Kentucky on the season now shooting 33% from the three-point line. Their opponents are shooting 30. Like, who would have ever thought that that number would climb? Today was a good day. Today, very good day. It's good for them. Uh, Devin asked you, too, I want to tell you this. This is what is so big about next season. If you can get Davion Mintz to return, Devin Askew return, Keon Brooks, listen to these minutes. Devin Askew has played 635 minutes this season. Davion Mintz has played 632 minutes this season. Keon Brooks now up to 297. Yeah. He would have been right there with 330. Lance Ware 225. Think about that. Yeah, and go look at Oscar's numbers at West Virginia. Yeah, the I mean, just the level of experience of the of these guys that they're getting this season 
it's incredible. I mean, BJ, I think BJ Boston, look, I've put my phone down now, but BJ Mintz and Askew are within a minute of one another. I think they've all played the most minutes, and it's like within maybe one minute or a minute and a half. Uh, a ton of experience. Like, even though these this backcourt with Askew and Mintz, if that's who they got back for next year, even though they're not like elite athleticism, just dunk on your head, on your head like some guys have in the past at UK, there's something to be said when you have when you can bring back a backcourt that is going to total more than 1,500 minutes together this season. And, and you know the rate that that Kentucky accelerates guys in terms of development. It certainly, I mean, Keon in particular, but a six-year Davion man, somebody who just knows how to play, who has a good feel for the game, like that's that's huge. And of course, ask you as well. You would expect to take a jump as a sophomore, but Keon is, I mean, there's star potential there. Um, and there's going to be a few other guys, too, on next year's roster, I think. I mean, I don't know how Damian Collins is going to be, but he's got some freakish – I mean, if you watch his videos and you see the way he is, like I could just see him being a, being a great player for Kentucky next year in some yeah. areas. He might not be as well-rounded as you know some other of the great freshmen, but rebounding and blocking shots, you would think he'd have a big impact on the team. Like it, there's, there's enough to get excited about. I mean, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, I think the fan base needed this. It's been a hard year. Um, to watch these guys a lot of the time, but winning a game over your rival that is, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Tennessee's heck, especially under Rick Barnes, they've had they've had Kentucky's number the last few years. But now you look yeah. at it, you look up, and what for a long time it's like Kentucky couldn't win in Knoxville, and now they've won two in a row uh, well, down how, there. How about that statistic today? You know, Corey Evans put it out there uh, with the win in October for football. They won thirty-four to seven at Neyland. Corey and Price, today's, right? Yes. I was thinking about our Thunder friend, Corey Evans, and I was like, man, Corey's tweeting out stats about <laughs> UK. And, and then today, seven – did I say Corey Price? Yeah, I okay. said Corey Evans. Okay, thank goodness. Uh, I thought I, I I thought I mixed it up. Uh, yeah, you did, you did. That's oh, I did mix it up. You yeah, know, that ain't the first time I've done that. I said <laughs> something else today. I called well, – when I was watching the North Carolina game, I was talking to my dad, and I told him that South Carolina was beating Louisville by like 40. And he's like, what? South Carolina. Yeah, so I've I've been doing that. Maybe COVID has messed with my brain. I don't know. But uh, back to what I was talking about with uh, the football win in October, and then today's win, Corey Price tweeted out, it's the first time since the 1958-59 academic calendar or academic year that Mm -hmm. Kentucky has won in Knoxville both games, football and basketball. 62 years since they've won in the same academic year, Derek. That is nuts. And tough for the football team going <laughs> yeah, down there. it has. The Knoxville. And, and I, I looked at that, and I almost texted you, and I didn't even know that Corey put it up, but I went back to the 80s, I went back to the 70s, and I went back. And I finally stopped at like 68, and I was like, I don't think it's ever happened. I'm done. Yeah. I don't even want to look at this anymore. It's giving me a headache. But, no, it, it had uh, 62 years since they both won in Knoxville in the same academic year. That, that's nuts. That that's that's the highlight for sure. There are not many highlights from the uh, from either team really. I mean, football had some good moments, but I think we both agree the football highlight of the year was certainly winning that game in Knoxville the way that they did. And then today, you know, the Florida win was a while ago, but that was a big win at the time. But yeah, I think Tennessee, the preseason claim that they had, picked preseason uh, as the number one team in the SEC and, and still a ranked opponent. And a team that, you know, more than any other has given Kentucky trouble uh, in the SEC. I mean, that was a good confidence booster. And, um, 
That's my takeaway today, Sean. We're going to be excited. It's a, it's a good day for the Wildcats. Yeah, and, and let's, let's talk about this before we wrap up, too. This is a this is a team, Derek, that they haven't they haven't we've talked about it. They haven't benefited from the full effect of being a Kentucky basketball player. Uh, they haven't had the 21,000 people screaming at Rupp Arena. They've not had the crazy road environments that, you know, that make – honestly, it's what makes our job fun when we go on the road and you get to mm-hmm. experience those road SEC venues and, and everything. And then there's Kentucky fans in the crowd. They haven't got to see that. They haven't got to, you know, have the interaction with the fans around campus. They they haven't got the quality time together with the activities and the meals and everything like they typically would have. But – this week they went to Nashville on Sunday due to the inclement weather that was in the the area in the southeast. They spent the entire week in Nashville and then went over to Knoxville. They picked up two wins in the state of Tennessee. And Cal even said it yesterday. You know, he was talking about the Miami Heat being one of the closest teams in the NBA bubble and what happened with them. They went from fifth to playing in the NBA Finals. I think I think this week. I'm going to say this team was able to spend a lot more time together because when you're on the road, you have to, you, you kind of have to. Um, I don't know exactly what their routine is when they're in Lexington. I know that they're one person to a room and stuff. I think a lot of times just talking to a couple of parents, Derek, they, they actually eat in the room. Like they don't get to sit down and eat together like, you know, a lot of like teams would, which I, as a team – you know this, even going back to your high school days when we played sports. It was the the mills and stuff together is where you bond and all those experiences. I'm willing to bet that this week, though, that they got a lot of mills together. Oh, and yeah. they got to spend time together. And maybe this is a week that we look back on, and I mentioned it the other night. You know, Nashville's where you wanted to get it figured out because that's where you got to have it figured out in a couple of weeks. And I think that they're going to be pretty excited to get to go back to Nashville here in two weeks and try to do it all again. For sure, that's a good point. Um, and if they do go down there in a few weeks and then pull off the SEC tournament, win that, I think that'll definitely be a big talking point that we come back to was, was this week. And you're totally right about that. I mean, I think about playing sports growing up. Like a lot of the things that you remember aren't necessarily the games, but the bonding and things like that that you have. And for this team, you know, you're right. They've had a much, much different experience than any other Kentucky basketball team ever. And I don't know if you're facing the decision where you, you know, you're looking at life changing money, perhaps that would change things. But I do wonder if, if someone might be swayed just with the idea that next year things will be, well, maybe not 100% normal, uh, much closer than what they've had this year. I just wonder if that might sway somebody to, uh, to want to come back and try to experience that again if you're going high enough in the draft i wouldn't i don't think the app the, the the chance to be a normal college student or whatever have that kind of experience would, would be enough to sway you but i just think that might be something to watch and i've not heard anything that would suggest that it would i'm just trying to think from my perspective what i would do but uh this no you're right this, 13 losses this team has 13 losses and i kind of i, I, I sitting here thinking today 13 losses, and they're going to make Kentucky fans fall in love with them somehow. I think that's yeah. what's happening right now, honestly. And honestly, even from a media standpoint, these kids have been through so much that I was sitting here today thinking, God, I hope they get this win just because they, they need it. Just something good to happen to them. And they've they've had a really good seven-day stretch here. Uh, I don't know I don't know if this information's out there or not. You know, there's been a lot of talk. We've, we've talked about Devin Askew and his struggles and – 
and everything and how he went through what he did early in the season and then he ended up getting a starting spot back and has been starting ever since and still still struggled uh but you know his dad moved out to Lexington for the basketball season uh he understood you know the importance of being there for his kid and not not all these parents can just leave mm-hmm. and go be with their kid all the way from California to Kentucky but we we do all this stuff about these west coast kids getting homesick and i, I can't imagine a kid been away from his mom and his brother and his family who live in California during a pandemic. Uh, but his dad moved out to Lexington for the season, has been out here ever since, just because he saw, hey, I need to be here. You know, this is where I need to be. And I think that's been a big step for Devin. And I think that's what comes into the whole thing that Devin's built a little bit different, Derek. You know, he, I know he's told us in the past uh, that he's not like, you know, the, those guys. And, you know, those guys left on their own because they felt that was the best decision for them. Uh, but I truly think that the kid actually has a different mindset. But how, how big has that been, you think, that you know to have Dad there with him? And I know Keon Brooks' dad spent a lot of time in Lexington as well. Just, just some parents that I've talked to. Uh, I think those little things that they don't get the normal family time. They didn't get to go home at Christmas and all those things mm-hmm. that they that they do during holidays. I just think it's big that you know some of these guys have had parents who are family members come in and obviously they have to kind of quarantine themselves too. Like here's, here's Devin Askew's dad in Lexington who probably knows no one uh, is not there with his wife and his other kid and has come out here to just make sure that his kid's okay. I think that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, it's, you know, you are in college, you know, you get that sense of independence for the first time in your life for most, most cases. I mean, this is how it was for me. I'm sure it's how it is for most people. And, I mean, I went to school an hour from where I grew up, but I can remember my freshman year at UK. I mean, I came home a lot that year on the weekends, and these kids, their schedule are much different. I mean, you're you're on campus, you know, you're not. There's really no going home on the weekends. I um, mean, you know, unless maybe if you live in the state and you can, like maybe Dante Allen can sneak home every now and then, much more than some other people can. But to have at least a familiar face there, uh, I'm sure that is a big deal for Devin and for anybody else whose parents might be in Lexington. I, I got to think that that does help. Uh, especially in a tough year where, I mean, the way Cal talks, like with the people that they can actually see in person, if they're actually following everything that they're saying, and I have no reason to doubt that, like it's not like you have a whole other set of friends you can go just hang out with, if, you know, to get your mind off of it. You're kind of with the same guys all the time. So I can just see the whole mental aspect of this thing being very difficult for these guys. And for anyone who can have an advantage like Devin has, I'm sure that has been very helpful. I think so too. And I, I don't know if Brian wanted that. I'm sure. I don't think you'll mind. I, I, I said it. But uh, I know Jack was walking into to one of the games earlier this season. It was early in the season. Brian was there a lot. But it was one of the SEC games recently. And it was kind of surprising to see Brian there. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, Derek, I was actually looking forward to getting back to Rupp Arena Tuesday night to cover a game. And here I am. I'm not going to get to go to another one. I've not covered a game since Alabama at Rupp Arena. Will I, will I get to cover another game? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I actually kind of miss it. Uh, <laughs> but this is a team, they're, they're moving in the right direction. I mean, sure, they, they they only have eight wins, but hey, uh, we were talking a few weeks ago that we didn't know if they would get to 10, and now it looks like that they're going to exceed that. Uh, they should. I think they're better than all the teams remaining on their schedule. And I told you earlier, I think it's Alabama, Kentucky, and Arkansas. I think that's the three best teams in the SEC right now. I honestly think that the SEC tournament champion will come from one of those three programs. Uh, Arkansas is a team that I think is playing well, but that's a team Kentucky had beat and had a chance to win 
just uh, less than two weeks ago. I mean, they've had opportunities to win games, but if they put it together down the stretch here and they win the SEC tournament, it's a brand new season. Anything can happen. No question. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I mean, they got to keep building, keep building these last few games, and and who knows? I mean, the way they played today I, makes you think they could beat anybody, really, in the league. That's true. And uh, not only has Kentucky got it figured out, uh, Butcher's Pub, that's the place they've got it figured out, too. Uh, that menu, absolutely delicious items. Derek and I are all the time plugging those items on that menu. Uh, I'm going to do a rundown of their full menu this week. I'm going to pick a couple of things and talk about them on Monday. I'm going to pick a couple of things and talk about them on Tuesday. Uh, I am going to get an official date. I did text Josh this evening to see uh, when the Butcher's Pub will be opening their location in London. So right now there's two locations operating, one in Pineville, one in Williamsburg. A third will be coming to London, Kentucky here in March, which is coming up really soon. So hopefully if Kentucky does make the NCAA tournament, you got a third location to go out there and watch some tournament play. Uh, possibly the SEC tournament, depending on when those dates uh, for that location open. But you can visit thebutcherspub.com, or you can check them out on Facebook. Derek, it feels really good to be back in a rhythm with Kentucky Daily. This is four straight days that we recorded. Uh, I remember the days when we recorded, I think, like nine or ten episodes in a week, uh, charting back in the top 200 of the basketball section on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you who listen. Please leave us a review. Please uh, give us feedback. Uh, I know I've, I've had a lot of you DM me the last couple of weeks saying, you know, it's, it's good to, to hear from us again, and I, we're, we're enjoying this. And it's even better when Kentucky's actually giving us something to talk about, and we're not sitting here having to come back on and, you know, beat the same drum every single game. It, it's, it feels good to actually talk about some possibilities. This team might be getting it figured out. Uh, but we'll move forward with whatever happens this week. If Kentucky ends up scheduling a game, who knows, Derek? I, I think that Cal would love to play a game before Saturday, right? Well, that's a long layoff. Yeah. With the momentum they have right now, I think so. Yeah. Even if it – what's the chances they just have another scrimmage against someone? I mean, I think I think that could be a possibility depending Fancy on – Fancy free this week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. But we'll be back on uh, Monday unless something breaks tomorrow. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.